Hi, welcome to the Movement for Modern Life podcast. I'm Kat Farrance and I'm founder of the Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'll be exploring ways that we can all move more freely towards a healthy, happy and sustainable life. I'll be meeting teachers and experts in a variety of different fields. I'll be sharing with you some of my tips and tools that I have in my toolbox so you can take your small steps towards a healthy, happy, sustainable life. Hi, this is Kat, and welcome to another season of our Champions of Change. So in this episode, I'm talking to Henrietta Norton, who is founder of Wild Nutrition. She's an extraordinary woman. She's somebody who has set up her own company, Wild Nutrition, from nothing. And it was on the basis that she had um, endometriosis and was looking for a solution. She's got a background in science, in biochemistry. She's not all about peace, love, and jelly beans, although that is clearly part of who she is. She's an immense soul. But she has some really beautiful little small steps that we can all take to help our nutrition, which will have such a massive impact on the rest of our lives. So with no further ado, enjoy Henrietta Norton. So nice to be here and to and to meet you finally, because I've heard such great things about you. Oh, um, thank you. I love thank what you're you doing. So it's so great. Well, and, and me too. I have ultimate respect for a woman who starts her own business out of passion for what you're doing. It's not just you're spotting a gap in the market and you're being savvy. This is because it's you've been on a personal journey, haven't you? To yeah, I mean, it was it was a total passion thing with a with a kind of healthy dose of madness. I think yeah. now looking back on it, <laughs> ign- ignorance is bliss. But yes, yeah, so how did it? Well, I've been I've been a nutritional therapist for fourteen years or so now. Mm. I had a clinic and I was also uh, working with some in the supplement industry as well, doing their re- some research and development for some of the companies, you know, mm. product development and looking into the ingredients and putting formulations together. Um, and I did that for seven years. Mm. And the more I understood about what was going in the products mm-hmm. and the way that the nutrients were made, and then also having my background, the kind of in, in sort of human biochemistry, understanding what the body would do with those products and those ingredients and thinking that's completely counterintuitive if you're looking to heal the body with by natural means, which was, you know, that's the bottom line of, of our training as nutritional therapists is to use food and nature and natural products to bring the body back into balance. So it started to really jar with me. So I, at the time, the seed was big for years before we actually launched World Nutrition, but just, just prior to launching it, I'd been commissioned to write a book on something called endometriosis, which came from that was that came through personal experience and professional experience. So um, I was working with a lot of women with endometriosis in clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I too suffered, I say, you know, still experience endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And at the time was a very unspoken, uh, it was very unspoken of, you know, there are over 10% of Western women experience endometriosis. I mean, you know, a sizable amount. And those are the only the ones that are diagnosed. There are plenty that actually haven't been diagnosed. And I've been, ex- you know, I've been experiencing discomfort for, gosh, I think since I started menstruating and being... So what, what sort of symptoms is, is that for endometriosis, for people who don't know? 
Yeah, so it's it can vary. And certainly the degree of the symptoms don't necessarily mirror the, the severity of the condition. So for most women, it's extreme pain during menstruation to the point where uh, NSAIDs and non-steroid anti-inflammatory things like ibuprofen and things might, well, might ease it, but also may not. A lot of women get uh, digestive discomfort at the same time, so nausea, um, vomiting sometimes. Again, that can be a symptom of the pain as well. Uh, sometimes the pain can happen mid-cycle as well. Quite often cycles are longer as well. Menstrual cycles are longer and heavier, so you get something called um, dysmenorrhea, which is basically heavy, painful periods. Mm. And it's it's a, a kind of whole system condition. So mm. it affects you you might experience the, the the symptoms more profoundly when you're going when you're menstruating but actually it's something that affects your immune system your digestive system your uh, mental mental health as well i mean i think that's that's multifaceted the fact that it affects mental health but it's got implications in serotonin deficiency which can relate to anxiety and and, and mild um, depression as well so it's a whole you know your whole body experiences it and so uh but i had gone to the doctor many times to mm. say this isn't you know this isn't right i'm really in so much pain yeah. um, and was told almost that 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 is something that you have to experience as a woman you've got heavy wow. painful periods which is you know it wasn't as kind of clear-cut as that and as, yeah. as crass as that but it was not it, there was very, there wasn't a solution no solution was given to me other than um mephenamic acid which is a kind of a painkiller which actually didn't help anyway mm. and i i understand now that that is not i'm not in isolation in in, in that experience that's not you know that's not a unique experience yeah. and the average length of diagnosis is around seven years for each woman so oh my um, goodness so seven yeah. years of extreme pain yeah and absolutely and, ex- and expecting that that's normal. and that's expecting that's normal yeah so and at the same time that's seven years of using various different medications to calm mm. the fire within your body mm. and that has a long-term implication as well so by the time you get to diagnosis actually there's a huge amount of healing to be done and a lot of ba- a rebalancing that can be experienced so cut a long story short, I actually, my husband, then my boyfriend said, you know, this really isn't right. We've got to take you back to the doctor. One day he found me kind of lying on the bathroom floor, having fainted and in real pain. He said, that's not good enough. We've got to go to the doctor. And thank God that he did, because this time around I had studied enough in nutrition and I'd understood the symptoms of endometriosis. And I said, this, I think this is what I've got. Mm. To which the response was, well, then in that case, the best thing that you can do is either go on the contraceptive pill or get pregnant. Huh. Of what I really wanted to do. Um, quite, quite so I, that was a very good motivator to find a, a different way. Anyway, I insisted on something called a laparoscopy, which is where they go in and they actually look because the routine uh, offering is to have an ultrasound, but actually endometriosis can be missed very, um, very commonly through ultrasound. Mm-hmm. So I had a laparoscopy, which is where they put a little laser in and they look around. And mm-hmm. of course, the prognosis, you know, the, the diagnosis came back as se- moderate to severe endometriosis and that it ha- would affect my fertility. Mm-hmm. So that it was unlikely that I'd be able to have children and that uh, that I ought to start trying for children in the next year. So that if, if by the end of that year, there was no boy, I could get onto the NHS IVF. Um, list, which you know, at twenty six was a really, really daunting prognosis, mm. and and delivered in a manner that 
wasn't empowering, I yeah. would say. And so I had the sort of, I, I just had the bit between my teeth, really. You know, I was so determined for that not to be the case. You know, as, as a child, I used to dress dollies and, you know, want to kind of change the world, but also want to really want to be a mummy. So to hear that news was just, you know, like a bombshell. So that that drove my um, my deeper research. By this stage, I was a trained nutritionist, but that drove a deeper research, a kind of complete nosedive into the research around endometriosis and what can be done. Mm. And hence, and I think the wonderful thing about the universe is that once you start to kind of, it's, it, you attract women <laughs> with that. So I started to naturally start to attract women with endometriosis, having not, you know, advertised myself or anything, but I was found myself working with a lot of women with um, who were experiencing endometriosis, some of which, of whom were diagnosed and some of whom weren't had no idea what was going on with them. They just felt incredibly lethargic in their cycles all over the place. And so that experience and my, so the clinical experience, my personal experience led to the, to the writing of this book, Take Control of, my, of Your Endometriosis. And the author, the writer, sorry, the author is me. <laughs> the writer, um, not the writer, the, gosh, the, genre, the uh, editor said, are there some supplement recommendations that you can make? And I said, hand on heart, I actually can't because I know the supplement industry. I know what's out there and I know how they make the products. And actually, it's not something I would give and it's not what I use with my clients. Mm, um, interesting. And I started to use this material from the States called what is now what we now call food grown, mm -hmm. which is a natural material where the nutrients are grown in food rather than mm -hmm. synthetically reproduced in a, um, you know, for example, uh, synthetic vitamin C is... Mm -hmm. um, cornstarch and um, sorbitol so this you know to be growing it from a, um, a citrus pulp you mm. get the you get the nutrient as a whole compound as opposed to an isolated fraction of that and the implications on the body are that are what I was seeing with these women in clinic is that I was seeing a profound response to it on a sort of on a, a, a very much more holistic manner so mm. it was not only improving their cycle Mm -hmm. It might also be improving their immunity, giving them a sense of grounded, a grounded sense of being. So I, I was really blown away by this material and then started again to look into the research behind it. And it's been going since the 70s. It's absolutely extraordinary. A number of clinical studies have shown that it's better absorbed. It's better retained. It's mm -hmm. better transported around the body. So we, we put a lot of focus on um, with supplementation. We put a, there's a lot of chat around bioavailability, which yeah. is basically how well, how available that substance is That's to the body. Right. Yeah. But actually what bioavailability does is it tells you how easily it can get through the gut wall. So how easily it can get into the bloodstream, right. which is actually only a very small part of the journey for a nutrient. It has to go through the bloodstream, it has to hit the liver, it has to be either stored or converted in the liver and then transported to the cells, the target cells for that nutrient. Um, and to do that, it requires other complexes, things like carrier food factors, which you find in food. But yeah. when you synthetically isolate something, you yeah. don't find those. So something might be deemed very bioavailable in a synthetic form, but actually it's only part of the story. And what I loved about the food grown material was that it, the studies were showing that it is better transported, it is better retained, 
and therefore it's better you better used by the cells in the body and doesn't come at a cost to the body isn't that so fascinating it, that the oh, well-being supplements industry which is an enormous industry is basically selling everybody something that isn't available to their body it can't work mm. Mm. and hence this is why you know they they need to use these incredibly high doses because again you know you wouldn't find these high doses in nature and that's um, why i always wondered yeah so so things like um minerals for example if you're taking in i don't know say 400 milligrams of of magnesium the amount of elemental magnesium within that will probably only be around 18 18% and then the amount that your body can actually transport and utilize in the cells, maybe as little as kind of 8 to 11%. So actually, even though you're taking this very high dose, the amount that your body can use is, is really significantly smaller. Wow. Um, and, so, and so with the, what I love about the, the food-growing material is that you need these very, you know, you need these very small doses mm. um, to be able to have an effect. And I think, you know, the body's so bloody intelligent. <laughs> It's so clever. And to flood it with, you know, we wouldn't, it's, it's one thing that struck me actually is that, you know, I, I, a lot of my training and a lot of my time in clinic was, was spent talking about the difference between processed foods mm-hmm. and whole foods. Mm-hmm. And yet the recommendations with lots of natural practitioners are for these very highly synthetic processed supplements i mean it's no different to our food is it Mm. and so you can imagine that you'd be getting a whole raft of different natural phytochemicals that are in whole foods that wouldn't be in a processed food in the same same for a a a kind of more natural supplement as well you're getting a whole host of different compounds in in a in a food that we don't even we don't even know yet we haven't even classified them yet Um, wow I had no idea because this is absolutely fascinating so I've got such an interest in nutrition and eating well but like most people I don't really know that much about it I don't know anything about the chemistry and it's amazing you've got this background in biochemistry so you can just sort of say that there are things in our lettuce leaves that haven't even been discovered the good that they do by science is that right yeah absolutely and spices and herbs i mean over 200 different you know phytochemicals are present in some plants and and foods so and you know we know very little but it's but it's very um the sort of trajectory of of the kind of scientific route is to be very reductive in its approach so to focus in on one thing that oh look that's the one that's the active bit and disregard the other parts but actually you know this what is that wonderful saying that's it's the sum of greater than the sum of its parts right you know you know it's that might well be a, a kind of active component of that plant but actually the power that comes from it being found and bound mm-hmm. with the other chemicals in that plant is profound and the impact that it can have is profound. I mean, you know, nothing in nature works better in isolation. We as human beings don't work better in isolation. You know, we are, it's a commune, it's, you know, yoga, it's unity, it's, com- it's everything working together as a community. So, um, yeah. That's, that, that's absolutely amazing to hear because I mean, I'm just, in this podcast, I've been hearing various experts and people who are changing the way that we see things and this is such a profound way a profoundly different way to see the sort of vitamins we need in our bodies isn't it because yeah at the moment it's like we need magnesium therefore take this thing 
But that's mm. this is a very, very different way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's very um counterintuitive to how our bodies work. Mm. Um, you know, we are we are attuned to receive, our DNA is attuned to receive um nutrition through food. You know, we've been brought up, we were brought up, that's the cycle of life. Mm. We rely on plants to do to provide us with 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 nutrition, with life, with vitality. Right. Um, so. I, I'd love to um, dive in then. So we've uh, gone from the, and there are so many things that we, we could just go through. <laughs> so we've gone from endometriosis and how that was your journey and you were helping women to work out their symptoms through nutrition. So now you have a product I know that helps people. It's a supplement to help people through this. But you also have other supplements to help women who aren't necessarily suffering from particular symptoms, but just generally could optimize our health. What, what do you think it is that we should be, what is it that we need to be doing? What nutrition do we need that we're not getting in our normal diets, do you think? Um, I think that, um, unfortunately, I mean, my, my, my approach to, to nutrition and, and how it can support health is that food always has to come first. So we have to start, you know, there's, there's absolutely no way that we can get away from that, you know, scientifically kind of rationalize our way out of that. We need food to keep us well. The, the, the sad fact is that our farming practices, our soil um, is less nutrient dense than it was i mean even 50 years ago it's it's shocking what we've been doing to the soil our export markets mean that we're importing a lot of uh, import and export markets mean that we're importing a lot of food which are picked before they're ripe so their nutrient content is lower intensive farming means that the the soil isn't having the opportunity to replete itself it's you know with with nutrients so it's becoming depleted of nutrients i mean this is something that's affecting our health and also a recent, well, it wasn't so recent now, it was over five years ago, but a DEFRA study that looked at the, do you remember the big outbreak of TB yeah. amongst cattle? Yeah. Well, there was an independent researchers that were drafted in to look at that. And one of the conclusions that was published in the, um, in the um, DEFRA study was that they believe that the deficiency in things like cobalt, boron, selenium, zinc in the soil wow. was affecting the immune tolerance of the cattle and hence that was why it was just became an epidemic and so this is affecting absolutely everything so although we need to get you know stuff uh, our nutrition prime as a basis from our from good quality food actually supplementation now is a reality and that in, in also the other thing is that a lot of us are taking medication mm-hmm. um, and that has a contra a competitive inhib- inhibition of other nutrients as well and also we are just on the go all the time oh, that, like you know, oh wow we have got our foot to the pedal all the time and so the burn up of our fuel is significant and i don't mean that by because we're you know we're physically exercising it's more the mental stress that we're going through which is meaning that we are churning through and putting a huge amount of pressure mm-hmm. on on our systems and so to kind of come full circle back to your back to your question about what many women or people need, you know, a lot of people fare very well from taking a, a multinutrient with some fi- some form of adaptogen. 
and I, you, you might be familiar with this already, but I use a, a lot of adaptogens in, in the formulations that I put together for the very reason that, you know, if we have got our foot to the pedal, actually there is, and, and we're causing damage to the engine and the, and the fuel is leaking out, there's no point putting just more fuel back in. We've got to plug that leak. And adaptogens are very, very good at tonifying the adrenal and the stress system. And so effectively create a sort of a plug um, to help us manage that fuel better. And so I use adaptogens. Um, I use adaptogens a lot in our product, ashwagandha in particular. I think it's just so, beautiful. So what, what are examples of adaptogens? What, what, what are we talking about? My, the best example would be ashwagandha, particularly for women. Such a beautiful, beautiful herb. Very rooting, very grounding. Great for the menstrual cycle. Very well researched as well. So, um, and it has been shown to reduce uh, salivary cortisol as well, which is your um, indication of how much of the stress hormone cortisol you're secreting. Um, so it helps manage our our response, our resilience to stress on a physiological level, but also we experience we can experience it mentally as well. And it's been shown to support um, postmenopausal women as well. Um, increase the amount of something called GABA. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, so, but what's that? <laughs> GABA is um, a sort of brain chemical that helps us to moderate our experience of anxiety. So when GABA is in this, if there's insufficient GABA, so either in the production, our body's own production of GABA, or there's an inhibition in our body's ability to use the GABA we can experience heightened anxiety. And that's one of the things that seems to be um, affecting many people that I certainly have worked with in clinic. Isn't it fantastic? It's, it's just fascinating that nutrition would have such an impact on your mental health like this. I mean, it makes yeah. sense because we know that, you know, we, when we all have a day of eating junk food and chocolate, you feel rubbish. But mm -hmm. it's actually a, so subtle, isn't it? And mm -hmm. actually it just makes sense. Oh. Well, it also, you know, it's our first, um, we have a very emotional relationship with food. Food is not, it's so much more than just the eating and the nutrition side of it. It's actually also, it's a ceremony, a ritual. It's a way that we celebrate. It's a way that we um, console. It's, it's yeah. so emotionally loaded. Yes. And so quite often when somebody has a day of eating, you know, junk food, it's they feel dreadful about it not not necessarily because of their kind of physiological response to it you know they might be kind of feeling knackered or you know yeah. changing stools but actually also they feel they feel that maybe they've not done something as kind to their body as they should have done if they haven't nurtured their body there's such a deep connection a primal connection between food nourishment nourishment of the body with food and nourishment of of us um, emotionally spiritually as well mm. Mm, mm. Well, that's um, and I think that that's all something that I'm obviously absolutely passionate about, and tying it all in together. How mm. it's not, you know, you're not going to immediately feel amazing when you have long hamstrings. It's going to, <laughs> <laughs> it's going yeah. to take a little bit more than that. It's going to yeah. a little yeah. bit of thinking. And I like what we were briefly having a chat before I press record, and we were talking about that thing about making conscious decisions in your life. Mm -hmm. And how we can make a conscious decision. And obviously the first conscious decision that I would advocate is to roll out your mat and work out what you're going to do with your body to change your, to change your body and to change your mind in that day. But also what are you going to put in, what food are you going to eat? 
and what effect is that going to have and where are you getting your food from because from what you've said with the soil depletion it's not going to make sense for us to try and build up our nutrients with imported food necessarily and with food that's grown badly mm. so yeah, we're absolutely a lot more careful about it mm. yeah absolutely I think there's such a, a, a beautiful relationship between uh, movement mm. in the form of however that is for whoever. For me, it's it's yoga as well, and and that connection with how we're nourishing ourselves physically. And I mm. think that's because, like I was saying earlier, with that sort of mm. that leak in the engine, yes. you know, that leak in the engine comes because because we are putting our foot to the pedal all the time, and actually. Eating, I've I've had clients in the clinic who mm-hmm. eat the most kind of beautiful diet, yeah. you know, that literally is textbook, yeah. but they are stressed out of their mind, and you know, and that stress can be a, a variety of different things. It could be, you know, the emotional anxiety of being in a wrong relationship, in a wrong job. It could be literally physically charging around the world on a on a plane. It can be, you know, the day to day kind of anxiety of money or children or whatever it is it's causing a leak in that engine and 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 without addressing that and addressing how the mind can ground Mm. then actually it's not that the the nutrition or the food becomes null and void not at all but it they need to work together yeah yeah there's more to it what would you suggest for all of us overworked way too busy women who I mean, we are all of us um, women of a certain age. We've all had sort of um, issues with PMS, fertility, Mm. perhaps, hormones all over the place. You know, these lack of being able to sleep. These are very normal things that certainly me, my friends have. I mean, is there a sort of place where you'd be like, start here? (laughs) (laughs) Or is it a bit more bespoke and it depends on the individual? No, I would say absolutely there are are places where you can start. so often simple things can make such a profound difference. It doesn't need to be complex and sophisticated. What uh, I would say is actually, it's really interesting what you said, because it has almost become normalized, isn't it? To feel that, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. But my, I'm absolutely militant about (laughs) (laughs) about sleep. Right. Because if sleep, if you don't get sleep, what we know from the research now is that if you don't get sleep, actually the way that your body communicates with mm. the food that you take in is completely different. Oh, wow. Sleep. So when we sleep, our body releases something called melatonin. Mm-hmm. So you've probably heard of that. Mm-hmm. So and what melatonin has many functions. We often kind of just belittle it by saying that it's only to get us a good night's sleep but actually it's got so many different functions one of which is ensuring that um, the dna that has been damaged during the day is repaired so it's a really potent antioxidant so it's so vitally important it also has a role in the growth of bacteria in the gut so uh we know that if you have poor melatonin release, then it changes the bacterial diversity in the gut, which we now know is the second brain, has an impact on so many different things. We also know that there is a very close relationship between serotonin and melatonin, and serotonin is the feel-good hormone. And so 
melatonin is just so incredibly important. It also it supports our immune system. Mm. So if we are not sleeping well, oh, and also, so what I was going to say is that um, we it has an impact on our metabolic function as well. And that basically just means how well we break down food and how well we utilize food for fuel rather than to be stored. And so if we are not uh, if we're not getting into a deep sleep and releasing that amount of melatonin that's required, then all of these areas are affected. And actually our response to our healthy diet can be significantly different. And we might not experience that in the short term, but in the long term, we might experience a higher risk of things like type 2 diabetes or um, metabolic syndrome or mm. cardiovascular disease. It's being associated with cognitive degenerative diseases as well so I mean that's not to kind of but this is how important it is and one of the greatest threats to melatonin release and getting a good night's sleep is blue light so us sitting on phones or devices there was a study that was done um, that looked at a group of people who had a blue light device for 45 minutes before they went to bed so that was a phone or a kindle yeah. or whatever it was they had to read for 45 minutes from this blue light device and they had to turn it off at 10 30 and go to sleep and their melatonin re- release melatonin release was measured until 6 30 the following morning mm-hmm. and also something called their cortisol was released as well and uh, that was well, sorry it was assessed and the And then there was obviously a group of people that didn't have that exposure to blue light. The people that had the exposure to blue light had lower, up to 80% less melatonin release. Wow. Huge. 80%. 80%. And this, by the way, is on people getting eight hours of good sleep. I mean, some of us are on phones and things until sort of 10, 30, 11, and then are waking up through the night. So they're not even necessarily getting that full, full, um, you know, eight hours sleep. You know, this is fascinating because, I mean, I've, I've heard that and I thought, yeah, okay, that's good, but it doesn't seem to affect me. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm the one who's a bit different and I always get, a, I, I'm a good sleeper, but I'm absolutely fine. I can actually tap away until midnight and go straight to sleep and I am tickety-boo. So bar sucks a scientist, but actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually that is completely wrong because even though I'm feeling refreshed, I'm still not getting the, I'm 80% less melatonin than those yeah. who aren't doing my crappy practices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing we don't, we don't necessarily look at, um, you know, we don't necessarily look at those things until we start to experience the damage of it. And I think, so it's, it just has, in, in terms of healthy aging, getting melatonin is, uh, sufficient melatonin is, is absolutely vital. Oh, One of the other things that really affects women in particular mm-hmm. and sleep and the rise of insomnia is magnesium deficiency. And simply taking magnesium at night, getting lots of magnesium-rich foods into your diet, things like green leafy vegetables, nuts and seeds. I mean, as much as you can cram into your diet as possible is fantastic because we use up magnesium at a rapid rate. And if we are on the back foot with it, having a, a kind of good night's sleep can be really problematic. Oh, so this is this is good news. I'm going to show you my green smoothie. Oh, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> and it's even nearly finished. So I you didn't even know we were going to talk about absolutely. it. So. <laughs> so I grow my own spinach. I put it in my green smoothies and I have it with seeds and nuts every day. So that's a good start. Fantastic. Brilliant. That's a good start. 
But, uh, so, because uh, I was going to ask you about smoothies, whether you were yay or nay, but you're yay for green vegetables. I'm yay for green vegetables. I'm mm, you sort of yay for smoothies. Kind of. Um, okay. Not, not, I'm, 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 I'm all over smoothies in the right place at the right time. Ah. Um, and yeah. so, and that will depend on, you know, these are more naturopathic tendencies and this is very much Chinese medicine actually, but you know, you've the digestive, you need digestive fire. So the digestion needs to be warm. You need to be in a warm climate that if there's any dampness in the digestive system, then you don't want to be having a, a kind of a bulk load of cold vegetables and, and liquid in your, in your digestive tract. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but kind of as a, as a, but you, you know, you're, you're in cracking health apart from yeah. sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh fine fine for you and then i would say in the winter perhaps not winter you know, less when it gets okay. colder and damper then be used then green soups are fantastic soups in cold weather and then smoothies in the warmer weather oh well that's that's really what, what i love about this conversation is it's really easy simple small steps that's yes. exactly what it's about that's perfect uh, so plenty of magnesium and if people aren't able to get the intake with their nutrition, they should supplement. Yes. Do you yeah. think that everybody should supplement? I think for the reasons that I said earlier, a lot of people yeah. are probably more deficient than yeah. they think because a lot of the time the you would don't you're not necessarily aware of the, that you're experiencing a deficiency. We get very used to um, having niggles in our life. Yes. You know, you know, so uh, whether that's a you know bit of dry skin a little bit of eczema or it's a you know it's a or haven't had a very healthy bowel movement today or whatever it might be I mean you know the the, that's not we're not looking for ideal health all the time there's an ebb and flow with everything yeah and not to be too obsessive about kind of being in optimum health all the time but at the same time we do get we do sort of we have normalized having niggles that actually are a sign for that our body needs a little bit more support in particularly in minerals actually um, so I really like a day. I really like a daily multinutrient. I take every day. I take our um, balanced multinutrient, um, okay. which is a, a sort of a multinutrient with a lot of medicinal mushrooms in it. So it's that I use as an adaptogen. Um, for the reasons just before we we started recording, we were just saying, you know, life is at 150 miles an hour when you're when you've got a business and you know all those things. So I, I very much need adaptogens in my life. Okay, so so that's a really good start, and obviously people can go onto your website, Wild Nutrition, and take yes. a look at that. And yes. we are going to put your wonderful blogs onto the website, so people can see that as well, and they can get an introduction to the supplements that you've so carefully produced. Because this is why this is why I'm so passionate about talking to you, because you really are doing something very different to all the pharmaceutical companies that are producing these massive amounts of supplements. You're finding and sourcing with such care exactly the right, the right proportions, the right things that people will, will really help people. And it's, oh, that's a lovely thing to say. And I'm so, I'm so delighted that you can feel and see that because that is absolutely the truth. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, the intention. If you're not doing it, if you're not doing it with an intention to heal, then what's the point in doing it? Well, because um, people do these things to make money, and that's yeah. a, and that's unfortunate. And they do it all around the well-being industry, and mm. it annoys me because there are so many people who are looking to make money from people's ill health. Yeah, um, yeah. 
looking mm. to find gaps in the market and they're finding ways of shortchanging people ultimately because they're finding a cheap way to produce yeah. something. Because it's, well, it's- absolutely. Gosh, you just hit another thing on the head, which I think is so important. And, and I think what you're doing is so amazing for this reason. It's about education because I think you said, you know, people almost capitalizing upon people's ill health is such an important one because they're willing to sell you a product that their claim is going to fix your life. But actually, there is no education, there's no support, there's no empowerment around that because that still means that in order for you to feel that you've got better, it's because of that product, not because of anything that you understand or know about yourself, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. So, you know, that's why I'm... Um, educating as well as, as you are you know writing articles writing blogs we have a we have a nutrition line where we encourage people to call and have a chat with our nutritionist so that wow. not so that we can sell them product but so they can understand their body and what's actually going on and why you might want to need to take a b vitamin because that's you are your best doctor it's tapping into that and understanding your body and then you can start to kind of write your own prescriptions <laughs> to a degree that, that, and that's a really, really beautiful way of looking at things. It's bespoking it. It's like we are all so different and mm. there is no one size fits all. And mm. for me, that's the same problem, as it were, with yoga because, you know, the 7.30 class that fits into your schedule just might not suit your body or your knees or whatever mm. is going on with you. But in a way, until you kind of get to know your body, until you get to know who you are, how do you know what that thing is? And it's yes. the same, I think, with um, with our all round health. There are so many folks who are like, "I feel fine," and then they'll and then you'll be like, "Oh, why are you taking that painkiller?" Oh, well, you know, it's just this thing. But they I don't get even, headaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't even sort of see that they're not feeling optimal yeah. in that way. So I think absolutely it's, it, for all of us, it's getting better acquainted with ourselves, which would be a be a really nice start. So, the, so what we're doing is in September, we're launching a women's health course, which um, I would love for people to um, yeah, engage with a bit because there are going to be yoga practices around women's health, a little bit of information from wonderful people at the Red School who are, um, I don't know, do, do you know those women? Amazing. Yeah, well, Alexandra Pope. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Their wild power book is is just beautiful it's phenomenal it's phenomenal mm. and it, mm. that, it's that game changer of acquainting yourself to your cycles and mm. your own power and who you are and I think that um having the nutritional piece as it were or with your in-depth knowledge of biochemistry you know you come from a scientific background you're not a hocus pocus airy fairy you know, we're just going to, um, you know, breathe love on top of our lettuces before we eat them. Or a little bit of that too. A little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> a little sprinkling. It's but good I, for everyone. <laughs> it is actually. The lettuce are always going to love the love. But, you know, it's, it's, that, um, it's having that really deep-seated scientific knowledge to empower people to take control of their work hormonal balance, fertility, stress levels, sleep levels, because these are all so interconnected. And I think it's funny because sometimes I get contacted by women who are sort of saying, oh, I want yoga to improve my egg quality or, you know, a very, very specific thing. And I'm thinking that is an entire bodily remit. Like that is so broad. And And our health is so broad. 
that's mm. the thing. And I think by empowering ourselves through all of these things, we'll be a lot happier. Absolutely. So is, is, is there any other sort of little takeaway, little snippet that you might think, um, because we've got sleep and we've got magnesium. Those are, those are my snippets that I'm taking away. Is there anything else that is a small step that people can take to um, improve their nutrition, quality of what they eat, do you think? This is a very wide-reaching one and mm. may sound very vague, but yeah. it's cooking from scratch. Yes. No, that's I mean, it's so, it's so basic, but by, mm. by doing that, by default, you actually cut out so much that is not going to be favourable for your body. Right. And, and also, by cooking yourself, you are engaging with food on another level as well and preparing it and you're nourished, you are preparing something to nourish yourself. And I think that's a really lovely reminder of that relationship that you have with food. And that's not, not nothing, you don't have to do some cordon bleu fantastic thing. It's, you know, you can chuck a thing of, you know, you spelt pasta in a pan and, and chop up some herbs and, you know, do some lovely shiitake mushrooms or something. It will take you 10 minutes. Yeah, it does. You know, everybody can manage that at the end of the day. And I think, I think the other thing is that sort of comes into this is my experience has shown me that writing it down, writing down what you're how you a commitment to looking after yourself and what that means for you is means so simple, but it means such makes such a um, an impact because we are very it's very easy for us to say, oh, but I just didn't have time to, I just didn't have time to cook my supper. I had to stop at M&S and buy lasagna or I had to go to Pret and do that because I didn't have time to make my lunch, you know, the night before. Actually, if I'm being very harsh, you do have time. Hmm. We have the time for things that we see as the priority. So, you know, so it is, it is about writing that down and having a commitment to that and then saying, okay, well, in order for me to be able to take in a, a, a lovely chickpea salad, which is again, just throwing together some really simple ingredients in your, mm. um, if you've got a, uh, herb guard, you know, herb, um, what's it called? A, a window box that you can just yeah. stick some herbs in, you know, eat that with some tin chickpeas and chopped tomatoes mm. or, you know, that takes minutes. Mm. Um, and it just means getting up five minutes earlier or watching one less Game of Thrones or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or for me, it was Fleabag. Oh, um, I love it. I love it. You know what? We've got something in common. We're both disciplinarians in that way because I'm the same yeah. about the practices. Like, come on, everybody's got 10 minutes to get on yeah. that mat every day. Get 10 yeah. minutes. You can do yeah. it. Yeah. But um, I think people often, they find that discipline difficult, don't they? It's yeah like well funny enough it's the discipline i have and um, i understand it that the discipline to do something that is so, around self-care yes is where people really struggle that's and that's true. that's a much deeper kind of you know a psychologist could have a field day with that right. but it seems to me that discipline in other ways seems much easier to adhere to but when it's about self-care there is something that oh, the people there's a resistance there sometimes that's such a good point that's mm. so true because you're right they will discipline themselves in areas of um 
things that is really hard to do. And you're like, really? You're munching to doing that, but you can't cook mm-hmm. a meal or get on a yoga mat. Brilliant. Well, those are really, really good tidbits and takeaways. And and I love it, just small steps, because that is what it's about. My favorite recipe all springtime has been my, because I've got wild garlic, I'm lucky enough to live in oh, a wooded area. So I've, I've been on the wild garlic pesto. Pesto, yeah. And it's just amazing. And it's like, what could be better for your body than eating something that is from the area that you live? Because that's Pesty. got to be right. And you had to go out and pick it. So yes. that's great for you too. Absolutely. But you, know, you, can do that. you can do that with blinking um, uh, nettle leaves. You know, you oh. can go out and, and do a pesto with nettle leaves. I mean, everybody's got nettles, God damn them, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is, we, we all have access to these, to, to, to growing things or using things that are from the ground. Mm. Okay, so let's all look around and um, engage a bit more with that. Yeah. Oh gosh, Henriette, I have so so enjoyed this conversation. It's oh amazing. well, likewise, <laughs> and it's just amazing to hear all of the little things that people can do to feel better. And I really do recommend that people take a look at Wild Nutrition because what you are producing is of such fantastic quality. It's um. It's a crime that everything isn't made in the way that you create things. So well done you. And as um, a fellow woman entrepreneur, bloody go you. (laughs) Not easy, is it? (laughs) It's not easy, which is why you need to be passionate. Because you just can't, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, you you just can't. You can't give up. No. (laughs) No choice. Yeah. Oh, Kat, so lovely to speak with you. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Ta-ra. Bye. <laughs>